Statistically Speaking is brought to you by Statista. Get your free trial today by visiting Statista.com and gain access to over 80,000 topics from over 18,000 sources. Welcome to Statistically Speaking. I'm Eric Marmon. I'm Zach Lloyd. And I'm Eamon Monaghan. And we are super excited about today's podcast because today we are discussing beer. It took us till episode four, but finally we're dedicating an entire podcast to the subject of beer. And I think four was probably the over-under on when we would get a podcast on beer. Yeah, I think if we had lasted any long without talking about beer, it would just start coming up organically. In the words of Benjamin Franklin, beer is proof that God loves us. <laughs> and I want, and he wants us to be happy. It's beer! Hooray beer! Hooray beer! beer. If you missed... If you missed the podcast last week, we discussed which social media channels Americans wanted to kill off, and we actually learned that Zach wants to replace Snapchat with, and I'm quoting here, setting up a projector and showing photos from your trip to London, end quote. Zach, do you stand by this statement? Oh, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to gather around the projector screen in the basement and watch Uncle George's trip to the Grand Canyon? Eric, remind me to decline the invitation to Zach's next dinner party. Yeah, that sounds I mean, good. That's awful. I mean... This, this is the worst thing that you could ever do. As long as there's beer, maybe I'll go. Oh, I'll get you. Great segue right <laughs> into the beer. So Statista just recently released our alcoholic drinks report for 2018 with the focus on the beer market. This includes country rankings from 40 different nations, market KPI comparisons, segments, trends, regional development, a look at all the key players, and of course, as always, all of our specialized analyst market calculations are based on data from validated sources. This report is available right now at Statista.com, and the report found, among other things, that despite the fact that small private breweries are bringing new innovative beer types to market, the beer segment is actually losing market shares to the surging spirits market. So, Eamon, I'll start with you. What jumped out at you the most from the latest Consumer Market Outlook report on beer? Before we jump into there, I do want to call out a few tidbits, uh, some, some factoids, if you will. Uh, roughly at any point in the world, so now that we're recording this or when our listeners, hi mom, um, actually are going to dive into this podcast, uh, about 0.7% of the population is drunk. So roughly 50 million people are currently drunk right now. Uh, that's a little tidbit. Secondly, are you aware that the longest hangover ever recorded and confirmed is four weeks? A Scotsman once drank over 60 pints uh, in one sitting, and his hangover lasted four weeks. So I'll ask you, what is the longest hangover you've ever had, Zach? Well, it certainly wasn't four weeks, um, but then again, I'm not Scottish. And, you know, being a Scotsman living in Scotland is probably a bit like a hangover at all times. I think my longest was probably four days. But, you know, I didn't do anything to help my situation there and probably made it worse during the time that I was hungover. That sounds awful. I, I remember the point in the mid-20s, in my mid-20s, where the uh, hangover became a two-day event. Mm. And that was a terrible reality. It was waking up, you know, a, the Sunday after me, like, why do I still feel this way? That was that was a failure of science. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think two is actually my maximum. But I'm Irish, so it just goes through me. So, you know, that's, that's how that works. Uh, but getting back to the actual report, um, I found a couple of major takeaways. Number one, uh, 144 billion liters of beer are sold on a uh, yearly basis. And that accounts to roughly seven beers per person in the world per year. It seems like a low number, right? I mean, obviously, like population of roughly 7.8 billion people, obviously not everyone's going to, especially with different laws and religious beliefs. 
Uh, not everyone's going to drink beer, but that seems like a low number. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts were there. Yeah, uh, you know, just we have our members of the women's temperance movement who aren't partaking children, uh, some old people, but I think around seven beers a year this, spread across the population. This, this, sorry, this may be one that, that I live in a bubble for because I felt if you collected everybody I knew and everyone I know through other people that we are definitely drinking more than seven beers per person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. I think – Perhaps it's because I work in the same sphere as you as well. So maybe it's a collection of the same people, but I had the very similar thought is like seven beers is, is not even a, a, a legitimate ration for a night on a ship, let alone, let alone the year as a population. Do you often spend nights on ships and, oh. and wanting some suds? Well, if you, if you call my, uh, my wave runner a ship, yeah, yeah I spend a lot of, a lot of, a lot of nights on that. All right, to expand on that volume of beers sold over the past year, uh, Eamon said 144 billion liters. I was actually having a beer last night at Hogarden, if you will. It's not one I drink often, but uh, I decided to crunch some numbers. So a getting little, A little weedy? A little, you say? a little weedy, yeah. 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 I topped it off with a nice Coors Light. Ooh. So, bring me back to basis. <laughs> uh, I was crunching some numbers as I was drinking that beer, and I did some math and figured out that 144 billion liters – amounts to about 144 gigaliters. And that amount, 144 gigaliters, is enough to fill 57,600 Olympic-sized swimming pools, which is, for whatever reason, the typical... Uh, I think I think when you do liquid amounts, it always goes back to swimming pools. And for whatever reason, we can't use backyard swimming pools. We have to go with <laughs> Olympic size. It must I mean, that be. That seems like a pretentious way of measuring things, but apparently that's how we always do liquid. Speaking of pretentious, I, I think the term gigaliter, I think that's a measurement oh, that is vastly underused. First of all, what is a gigaliter? I mean, I know what a gigabyte is, but what's a gigaliter? A gigaliter is, I believe, a thousand million liters. Oh, wow. So okay. quite a lot of liters. So 57,000 <laughs> Olympic swimming pools. And I think we also use swimming pools because we like to imagine jumping into a swimming pool yes. full of the thing that we are trying to put into perspective here. So a bit of a, like a Scrooge McDuck diving into his money, right? Right. But instead, you're driving into a, a nice, tall, cool, but wiser, which is nice. Fair. Uh, I also crunched some more numbers and figured out in a different way, just to put it into perspective, 144 gigaliters is enough beer to flood the entire city of Los Angeles in about four inches of beer. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me is that 50% of all revenue is accounted for by InBev, which is just proving the continued dominance of this of this company. Uh, you know, they they become honestly the beer of choice, right? I mean, 50%. If you go to any tap, you'll see not only the Budweisers and all of those across the board, the Bud Lights, but you'll see all of their other brands, the Stellas of the world as well. It's very hard to not choose them when you go to a bar. But interestingly enough, Budweiser itself was just knocked out of the top four. Uh, Bud Light still is the number one. However, for the first time ever, the actual uh, the self-described king of beers is no longer even in the top three. Well, I would say that that has a lot to do with the movement that we've seen move to light beer. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, more health conscious. It doesn't mean that we're going to stop drinking beer because that's insane. But we're going to stop drinking you know, our weight in beer based on Budweiser. We're going to change the Bud Lights. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's actually a new Michelob Ultra commercial where they're comparing it to wine and they're making the wine seem extremely fatty and obese. So it's, it's definitely a trend that we're going to see to continue. It is pretty crazy the amount of 
business and power that Imbev has in terms of the world's beer market. I remember, I think it was in 2016 when they finally bought Miller Coors and Imbev merged Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors together. And after that happened, that company now serves one out of every three beers in the entire world, which is just insane. It doesn't matter what country you're in. You could be in Singapore. You're probably going to order a beer and somehow end up drinking an Imbev beverage. Yeah, I agree. And shocking to counterpoint to that is that beer only accounts for about 34% of the overall alcoholic market. Um, it was surprising to me to see that. That seems like a low number. I mean, obviously, uh, we're talking about revenue here, so the price per unit is definitely lower as it relates to wine and spirits. But I was surprised to see, especially based on the volumes that we've been talking about, that that's the totality of the revenue. Exactly. And I think, and, and that was, to be honest, what jumped out at me was, uh, as we mentioned earlier, these private breweries, um, they're, they're adding all these new craft beers. There's a new emphasis on people are treating beers like they treat scotch and how they treat wine. And yet that beer segment is losing market shares. So that's occurring, I think, just because of the more artisanal movement that's going on everywhere in every sphere of anything that's ever been crafted. You know, people are having like the people of Brooklyn or the people of Portland or the people of Austin wanting more, anything that's different, anything that sets them apart. So they're drinking ciders and Perry's, which is a pear cider. That's actually <laughs> becoming a new thing. Um, I don't think that it's going to mean that beer is going to go out at any time soon. It's been around since ancient Egypt. Uh, I think beer is here to stay. And in fact, here in America, Beer consumption was up 3% last year, whereas in some place like Europe, it's actually down about 0.6%. So. Right. So just to piggyback on that, the overall beer volume sales have decreased globally uh, and have lost market share in Europe and China, big markets, uh, especially as China being an emerging market, pretty stagnant in the U.S. Now, consumption is up 3%, but revenue is only up about 0.3% in the United States and Australia is is stagnant as well. I believe it's about 0.6%. So, I mean, that actually leads us to kind of our second topic here. Uh, you're talking about uh, China and the emerging markets. Um, there were actually two infographics that uh, our team created based off of this report. One was based on countries drinking the most beer, and then we created another about which countries are spending are spending the most on beer. So first, our analysts looked at beer sales by count per capita in liters in 2017. The Czech Republic dominated the competition with 137.38 liters. In second place was Poland with 98.06, followed by Germany at 95.95, then Austria at 95.46. The United States, meanwhile, was in 12th with 74.9. So the Czech Republic actually doubled us. Zach, what country surprised you and what country disappointed you the most um, in regards to which countries are drinking the most beer? So I have to start with disappointment. Obviously, number one, come on, United States. My <laughs> fellow Americans, what are we doing out there that we are 12th in the world for beer consumption? We need to be drinking more beer. We need to be getting up there with the top dogs like Czech Republic, Germany, and Poland. At least we beat the Brits but that's not good enough. I'm also disappointed in Australia. Come on, Australia. You were behind us. You're 13th place in the world for beer consumption. I know that you can be doing better. Hashtag make America drunk again. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Make America drunk again. I like that. So I also found this interesting, and not to harp on this, but I think these numbers are pretty low for the United States as well. Uh, if you look at it, it's about 208 and a half pints per year, which works out to about four beers per week. Four beers per week. I drank that 
on the way here. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like last weekend, I probably had 208 beers. I mean, this is something that we need to do. Is it just that the rest of us are doing all the heavy lifting and there's you know, the, the mid, the mid east, I mean, the, the Midwest is just not drinking at all. Too much star power at the top. I think, I think the, uh, you know, superpowers here on, on team USA are having to carry the team. Yeah. Uh, Czech Republic surprised me. If you had asked me, list the top five countries of beer consumption, I don't think Czech Republic would have been in my top five. I, Australia definitely would have been higher. I would have had us higher than 12, but Czech Republic, number one. Have you ever been to Prague? I have been to Prague, and that's very fair, <laughs> and their beers are very large, mm-hmm. but I, I still – I wouldn't have put them in the top five. And you know, now that you mentioned that, maybe that is – Maybe I didn't think this one through, <laughs> but you're, I, mean, I think, I think there's stereotypes about, and I don't know if stereotypes is the right word, but I would have gone with Germany beforehand. I would have definitely probably gone with Australia beforehand or Poland. I would have had the Brits much, much higher. Right? Sorry, this yeah. was a very disappointing showing for England. So interestingly enough, I've, I've spent quite a, bit, quite a bit of time in England. Um, they do measured shots and they do measured pints. It's, it's not a thing that you, yes, they're drinking often. But they're not drinking a huge volume each time. They're holding themselves back. Correct. It's a rig system. It's a rig system, absolutely. It's one of the oldest rig systems. They still have the old hand pumps and the warm beer that comes up from the floor. So, I mean, let's move it into the 21st century. Yeah, let's here, get guys. that flowing. You know I mean? Like, can open the mouth, open the sieve, let's get it through. You're just not putting your drinkers in a point to be successful with, with that kind of technology. Absolutely. Going back to Australia uh, really quickly, we had a second infographic I mentioned on countries spending the most on beer. Australia is number one. They are spending the most on beer. If I am an Australian looking at these infographics, reading our beer report, I am extremely disappointed. I'm thinking about emigration. I think this is reason to leave the country. So I think that this is exactly where the correlation takes place, where you have the most expensive beer mixed with, you know, a less than uh, satisfactory for us consumption of it. Um, obviously I think that the, we need to give the Australians a little more credit here. <laughs> they are paying roughly $6 and 30 cents per beer, whereas we're paying roughly $3 and six cents. So they're paying double what we're paying per beer. And yet they are still coming up high in the top 20 for countries for consumption. Now, obviously their tax is insane. Ireland has the most in the EU. United States from a tax perspective is very all over the place where it's only two cents per gallon in Wyoming and then up to $1.94 through the Bible Belt in Tennessee, et cetera. So uh, tax is obviously a thing that we're seeing quite a bit here. And it's the old story, right? You find something people like, we tax it. Or if it's a health concern, we'll tax it and say, this is how we're going to get people to stop consuming as much. We'll tax it so they can't purchase it. And then it just leaves the people going broke. That's what happens. And beer happens to be one that, that applies to both. It's both a health problem and it's tons of fun. Yeah, yeah, and I completely agree with you, Eamon. Um, I I know I ripped into you pretty hard there, Australians, but I I am kind of proud of you. I know you're trying, and the system is not letting you drink as much beer as you may like, but uh, you're trying, and it's, I, it's really tough. You think of you know hanging out uh, at a at a roadside bar in the outback drinking Fosters. But um, even if Fosters cost $6, uh, that might be a little tough. Firstly, I don't think Australians are drinking nearly as many Fosters as we've been led to believe. I think and, so. and secondly, I'm not going to defend the, these guys. You guys, it's like a, in a, a, a football team where you're like, oh, their strength of schedule was really tough. No, 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 no. These are uh, economic issues that can be overcome. I'm not ready to give the Aussies, uh, let them off the hook. Well, with that being said, here in New York City, you know, we have quite a few tourists that come by. You ever settled up next to an Australian? 
they look at the price of beer and they just go crazy. So I think that it is partly price, but also you're on vacation. I drink a lot more on vacation as well, so it's not a good metric. However, I think price is definitely holding uh, a lot of these countries back as well. And just to put that a little bit into perspective, I think it's important to note that this figure comes from beers sold in store and in a bar. So even if you go to a store in Australia and purchase a beer, you're still looking at an average of $6 per beer. That's insanely high. So again, got to give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. So during our beer research, um, which for the record was not nearly as fun as it sounds, uh, we stumbled across a YouGov report where respondents answered the question, which, if any, of the following features would your ideal bar have? So 67% of respondents said that their ideal bar serves a meal. 63% 63% said it at a beer garden, and 52% said it at a fireplace. Those were the top three things people wanted in their bar. Serving meals, a beer garden, and a fireplace. Zach, I want to ask you first, what jumped out at you about this poll? Okay, so first off, the fireplace. I mean, that's the most British answer. It's have, so weird. It's very British. They want to have a beer, they want to have a warm beer, and they want to be warm while they drink it because British people are always cold. They always have their feet in a bucket of hot water and a towel wrapped around their heads and they're drinking warm beer. So that's a very British thing right off the bat. Uh, Top answer that they want to have a meal in their pub. Not as important for me. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that you've just set back relations between the United States and England, I don't know, 30 years. Although not to say that we're doing much better at this point in time. Anyways, (laughs) uh, with that being said, though, I, I was also disappointed in this in terms of what people were interested in. How do 50% of British people put it serves snacks as a requirement of a bar. Like how low are your standards that it just serves snacks? Snacks 50%. are free. Yeah, absolutely. You have peanuts on the bar. Is that counting it as a snack? That's insane that 50% say that's a, that's a part of it. A couple of other things that I point out. It looks like um, Brooklyn is taking all of their thoughts and feelings from England. Uh, dogs allowed in the bar. It's one of the reasons I don't go to Brooklyn. You know, I mean, like there's no need for there's no need for dogs at home. I mean, in the bar. Also, I, I did see what I believe is a typo, but we'll take it at face value. It hosts life music. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I go to a bar, I'm trying to forget about life. I don't want music talking about life. Don't want it. Um, so, I mean, that's terrible. One thing that I will agree with them is the cheers aspect. You know, you want to go to a bar where people know who you are, friendly atmosphere. Uh, as you guys know, uh, we go to a bar. We have a bartender who knows our name, loves us. It's a wonderful thing. I would agree with that, and I'm surprised that that was as low as it was. Um, I would I would put that as number one uh, on my list. I agree. I will take the bartender knowing my name, knowing who I am, knowing my order over a fireplace, over over serving a meal, over a beer garden, any of those things. I, I like the, as you described it, the cheers aspect. I always get a little concerned that I've been to that bar perhaps too many times. Um, but for the most part, I think that's, that's definitely my number one. And I went back and took a look at the YouGov report that these findings came from, and there were some interesting breakdowns determines what men want in a bar and what women want in a bar. So 32% of women in the poll of these respondents said that they want a wall covered in hardback books in their bar. Have you ever been to a bar that had books in it that you actually took down and then read while you were waiting on your beer? I I have not. I know there's a bar in Midtown. It's called the Library Something. Going there, are we allowed to pull books off the wall? I didn't know that was part of it. You're nodding your head. You've been there? Oh, I've been there. And um, I I didn't, I was not aware if you could or not, but I went for it because, you know, I'm having some beers. So (laughs) I pulled the book down and you are allowed. It's, It's encouraged. You're allowed to do that. 
Uh, but where's, this is much more common in in Europe, uh, where you go to a place and they have books, they have magazines, different things that you sit down and read. Uh, obviously, in Ireland, which this study is not about, it's more of a community thing. You go there, you hang out. It's kind of your afternoon ritual. Yeah, I also liked how 32% of the men in the poll said that they want their bar to serve real ale. Are they just getting tired of this craft movement? They just need real ale. Just give me a pint of bitter. I'll have a pint of bitter. Oh, I agree. I think, I mean, the, this is where they're the most progressive. There is no need for anyone to have a craft beer. In the United States, they think, like, put more hops in it. It's going to be better. People talk about Indian pale ale. Uh, do you, are you aware that India pale ale was actually created so that it could make it halfway across the world and then still be drinkable at the end? That's the only reason we created it. It was not to drink it right out of the tap. It's a terrible beer. Anyone who drinks it is a liar, and uh, I can't stand it. I would argue that it's not drinkable, but maybe it, maybe it needs to be. I need it to be shipped halfway across the world. Maybe I'm not getting it in its, in its original desired Form. It's really too bad that the Dutch East Indian Trading Company is folded because we could be drinking a lot more India Pale Ales. Uh, yeah, the the three of us are really the victims here. <laughs> I agree. On on that note, though, and this this is I guess kind of my final question: What is your favorite beer? So uh, I will start from the beginning and say that for the most part, I'm not a big beer drinker uh, in the sense of liking beer. I drink a lot of it. I don't really like it that much, uh, especially when it comes to craft beers, India Pale Ales, all those. Uh, I like it simple. I want a regular ale. I go to a bar. If it's fancy and my girlfriend actually or wife rather actually likes it, I'm going to order the Pilsner and that's it. Uh, but I would have to say Bud Light would be my standard go-to. It's what I drink the most of. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favorite, but it's definitely uh, without any other qualifications the one I drink the most of. Yeah, even if I have to go with the one that I drink the most of and have drinking, drinking, that's not a correct one. <laughs> drink, drunk, and have drank the most of in my life, it's going to be Bush Light every time. Uh, it's got the drinkability. It tastes like water, basically. So it'll get you there if it's a hot, cool day and you've just finished mowing the lawn, have a Bush Light. If I'm going for taste and something hearty, I'll go with a Newcastle Brown Ale. It's a nice, warm British beer. I can imagine myself sitting in a bar by a fireplace, reading a book, <laughs> and there's a wall of hardcover books behind me. I think Newcastle Ale is disgusting. I, I, that's one of those I want to like. It's like the Dave Matthews Band in that so many of my friends tell me, it's great. you got to get into this. And every time I try it, I'm like, no, this is absolutely terrible. I feel exactly about Newcastle that I feel about the Dave Matthews Band. So did you have a beer in college and now have just woken up? Who of your friends likes Dave Matthews Band today? Oh, this and is who's back telling you that it's good? I, it, I should refrain that. No one's coming up to me. To, well, no one comes up to me now and is like, have you tried Newcastle Ale? Ooh. I'm talking back in the, you know, probably around the time I started drinking beers that weren't Bush Light and Bud Light. Uh, I was probably being told, dude, do you want to go to this Dave show? Right, Newcastle so, is good, though. I mean, it has a little bit of a me. yeast flavor, which is interesting, but it is one that has a different taste to it. That I could drink. You no. can even throw a slice of lemon in that bad boy. No, and don't delicious. fruit the beer. Don't fruit the beer. <laughs> well, then you're going to hate my answers because the, the my favorite beers, if it is something I want to enjoy a little bit more, sitting on the beach or something. I know uh, you made, you guys have made fun of me before. I'm a big fan of the uh, 21st Amendment's Hell or High Watermelon. Um, I also like Magic Hats Number no. 9, um, which has got more of that apricot flavor to it. So I'm sure I'll get ribs for that later. But I'm with you guys in that if, if I'm having a beer to have more than one beer, uh, for me, it's Miller Lite. Um, and I think... That kind of just just to tie it in a circle, I think we ran around and said Bud Light, 
Bush Light and Miller Light. I think that that kind of speaks to yeah. the, the we just summed up the entire statistic report right there. Oh, I agree. And I, I would like to just ask and pose the question to you, Eric. This is gonna when get you edited later, order so you can ask it if you a want. Melon yeah. beer, how hard does the bartender laugh at you? Well, I usually have to buy them at Whole Foods and quietly drink them at home so nobody sees me drinking them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I get the brown paper bag so nobody sees It's really just me and the uh, the person at the cash register at Whole Foods knows that this is happening. And for all of our listeners at home, now that we do have a bartender and a bar that we typically go to where they actually know Eric's name, he hasn't ordered one single Hell or High Water. Hell <laughs> once. And he wouldn't be allowed to. She would say no. No, she would say no. And in fact, when we show up, we don't even get a choice to order. We just are given the Bud Lights on arrival. This podcast is dedicated to Anita down at Whitehorse. Uh, that's all for Statistically Speaking. Just a friendly reminder, 34% of statistics are made up on the spot. So be sure to verify your sources like Statista does. Thanks, everyone. Statistically Speaking is brought to you by Statista. Get your free trial today by visiting Statista.com and gain access to over 80,000 topics from over 18,000 sources. 